Well, welcome, friends, to the March edition of The Shepherd's Voice. And we want to welcome you and thank you for being here and being a part of the program today. And I want to turn it over now to the host of the program, the Bishop of Trenton, Bishop David M. O'Connell. Hi, Bishop. To the shepherd. Yes, hi. How are you, He's the shepherd. That's right. How's everybody? To the shepherd. Good to see you. Very well. Busy busy month for you, I know. And I, I was happy to see you last uh, week at the uh, Catholic Men's Conference. I don't oh, want to yeah, talk about that, great. but it was good seeing you. So I know yeah, you're busy, so we always you thank too. you for coming, taking the time to be with us and taking oh, some I'm time grateful. Here. Yeah, I'm sorry to have missed the uh, February broadcast. You know, my schedule didn't accommodate it. And the one Friday that I was free... Uh, my two of my front teeth fell out, <laughs> so I had to get emergency dentist to find somebody to to put them back in, and uh, yeah. I was able to. But we're back on track now. Great. Of course, since that time, the season of Lent mm. has begun, and I was privileged to have two very nice Ash Wednesday visits. Of course, I usually celebrate the twelve ten mass at the cathedral, mm-hmm. and a huge crowd there this year. Really, a very very large congregation and uh, and they stayed mm-hmm. for the most part for the mass you mm-hmm. know usually at mass sometimes people come and get the ashes and then leave right away right right and of course you're over there that's the uh, a lot of the government workers and staff attend that mass over yeah. at the cathedral but we had a beautiful beautiful mass there and I went to Monmouth University mm-hmm. and I celebrated mass there uh, through the Catholic Center at Monmouth University and again, another very large crowd. You know, I'm so impressed with those young people. Most of them are uh, from New Jersey, from the New Jersey area, but some from out of state. This is the first time that I had uh, the opportunity to meet with the new president at Monmouth University, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Patrick Leahy. And we had a good hour-long chat before the mass, swapping uh, war stories, you know, as a former president right. myself, I've walked in his shoes, and mm-hmm. I know uh, what he has to go through day by day. But we had a good, good opportunity to talk a good bit uh, about his family and his faith and his commitment to Monmouth University. Mm-hmm. Monmouth University is a very fine school mm-hmm. here in our state, and uh, a school that every once in a while you you hear about them on news broadcasts, national news broadcasts, because they do political polling, right? and they're uh, very well known for that, and known for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But a great school, and it was a great opportunity to be there with the kids, and afterwards, uh, since it was Ash Wednesday, we we didn't have too many uh, opportunities to choose from a menu, so we all had pizza together. And <laughs> good good time. Always the fallback food on that. Uh, pizza is the staple of university living all uh, over the right? world. Yeah, isn't that true? <laughs> That's true. Here in our diocese, something that... Uh, that I'm excited about. We we launched a new video series called Living Lent, and mm-hmm. it's available on the Diocesan website and also on the Monitor website. And what I thought w- w- was that, that, that I would invite local pastors to come in and to give their reflections on Lent, not a long reflection, but just a as we used to say, a fervorino, you mm. know, kind of an encouragement of people during Lent. Right. And it's interesting because in our tracking, uh, some of the articles or some of the uh, uh, the hits on the website that get the most attention uh, are those of the priest of the diocese. Mm-hmm. People are mm-hmm. eager to see the priest and hear the priest. And so I picked six pastors uh, to give this Living Lent series 
in English and six other pastors to give it in Spanish. Mm. Uh, and it was, it, it's turned out very, very well. So I invite people to to check it out on the Diocesan website or the Monitor website. Mm-hmm. Uh, our website is Diocese of Trenton, one word, dioceseoftrenton.org, and, of course, the Trenton Monitor dot, uh, dot org as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the season of Lent always brings to mind uh, uh, the realization that this is both a time of grace but also a time of penance. Mm-hmm. And so the faithful have, since 10th century or, or so, uh, have kept this penitential season in a special way and are invited to give something up. Uh, in recent years, the emphasis on giving something as well. We do fasting, we do prayer, we do almsgiving during the holy season of Lent and mm-hmm. other things to keep in mind. There's an ample amount of literature available on uh, online, uh, books, guidance books, and so on and so forth. So I encourage people, you know, uh, Google Lent, mm-hmm. uh, Google Catholic Lent, and see what comes up. There's a, there's a whole host of things. But if nothing else, I would encourage our faithful to consider getting to Mass more frequently, not mm-hmm. just on the weekends or right. Saturday or Sunday, right. but maybe make an effort to one one other day mm-hmm. besides the weekend. Come to the Eucharist. Uh, and, and spend some time in prayer before our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. So important. Uh, add some prayers to your weekly activities. In addition to the to the fasting that we do during the season of Lent, do some good work. Something that is important, something that would make a difference, even if it's just a small difference mm-hmm. in the lives of someone else. Just be conscious of this season. Make it special. Make it important. Make it a time of penance and a time of preparation for the celebration of Easter. You mentioned earlier, Jim, the men's conference yeah. and uh, uh, February 29th. Uh, we had an opportunity to celebrate once again the annual conference of the Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, and you're very, very faithful and loyal to that organization. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy seeing you there. Uh, it was held as it has been for the last several years at mm-hmm. St. Mary's Church right. in Middletown, Father Jeff Kegley's parish, Father Rich Osborne uh, stationed there, and Father Jordan, the Dominican, who also works in that parish. And this year's theme was Discipleship, the Greatest Adventure, and they had three great speakers. Did you have a chance to uh, to hear the speakers? I the did. Day? I was in and out, you know, because I was by the radio uh, table. But Yeah, we that's right. Yeah, yeah. But they had— Very uh, good. They had a former New York Yankee, Mark uh, Teixeira, Teixeira mm-hmm. whom everybody knew. Right. All of my priests who were in attendance, <laughs> they were so excited to meet him. Uh-huh. Tall fellow. He's a, well, a, a, really a tall, yeah. but a very a very nice man, nice right. personality, yeah. and a good committed Catholic. Yes. Uh, we had the theology professor, Marcellino D'Ambrosio, and people really enjoyed his talk. Mm-hmm. He's a great student of... He's a graduate of Catholic University. Oh, in he is. Okay, yeah. so then he must be a great student. And he must be great. <laughs> must be smart if he wants. Yeah. But uh, he, he studied the Church Fathers, mm-hmm. the early Fathers of the Church, and has written on that topic. And he gave a very stirring, stirring presentation. The men were very impressed by his, his uh, talk. Uh, I was very encouraged by it and thought, geez, he, you know, he, he's a speaker that I might like to bring in for the priest at mm-hmm. some point when I have gatherings of our priests mm-hmm. for spiritual days. And then the Wall Street investment banker that you 
have a chance at all, Stephen Auth? I had heard him prior to Saturday's event because Bill and George had him as a guest in their program. Yeah, he's great. Mm -hmm. Great speaker. So it was was about 700 men. Yes. There. Very impressive. From all over the diocese. Of course, you and Cheryl were there and you Mm -hmm. broadcast. Mm -hmm. I had the privilege of celebrating Mass as I do. I think this was my 10th year in a row to Mm -hmm. celebrate and to preach. And then uh, there were about 13 priests who joined us from all over the diocese. Uh, some of them who are very faithful to the Catholic men for Jesus Christ mm-hmm. come every year, and others who joined us maybe for the first time this year and heard confessions. We heard confessions for hours mm. uh, during the conference. This is always a great opportunity for the men to, uh, they're not in their parish, they're with other other guys, right. everybody's going to confession, they join in, and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a great moment of grace, I think. I look right. forward to it every year. Yeah. Now, you, you heard confessions. I did, Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, the I, men, I, men I, were impressed by that. I heard some feedback on how oh, impressed yeah? they were that you would take the time to... Did I give them a good penance? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't talk about that. <laughs> you know, I, I do that in a lot of places mm-hmm. that I visit. Every once in a while, if I'm in a parish mm-hmm. on a Saturday afternoon before the vigil and the priest is going to hear confessions, I'll say to him, you, you, you take it easy. I'm going to go hear confessions for you. And I'll go into the mm-hmm. confessional and hear confessions. And uh, I like to do it because... Uh, you know, as I be- was a young priest, I became a priest, and during the course of my priesthood, I just found that uh, uh, the sacrament of penance is a great, great opportunity uh, and a great experience of the Lord's presence and the power and the healing and the forgiveness of the Lord. And I like the fact that I have the opportunity to participate in that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do hear confessions with some regularity yeah. around the diocese, although as bishop— you know, the, I don't get that opportunity that often, right. Right. and bishops are not encouraged to hear the confessions of their own priests, but rather to recommend the priests who elsewhere. I mean, you know, I will in an emergency situation, mm-hmm, sure. or um, there's the nature of uh, the need is there, but in general, I will hear the confessions of the faithful mm-hmm. rather than my own clergy. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a very powerful sacrament, beautiful mm-hmm. sacrament, yeah. and so those listening. I encourage you, if you haven't been to confession for a while, uh, it's the opportunity. Season yeah. of Lent is a perfect opportunity for you to really t- to humble yourself. Sure. Uh, to humble yourself and to go before the Lord and admit your weaknesses, admit your sins, and ask for God's grace to yeah. be to be better. It's a beautiful sacrament. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Sunday, uh, March 1st, right, the, day, the next day, the day after the men's conference, we had the rite of election. Mm-hmm. Is part of the, uh, you know, the old days we've talked about converts. Yeah. It's part of the old conversion process, the rite of Christian initiation of adults. And those who have not received baptism or who have not been fully initiated into the church with the sacraments of initiation, mm-hmm. they take advantage of a year, sometimes more than a year, in their parishes of studying uh, their faith, studying their religion, and growing closer to the Lord, and there's a process involved, and the rite of election is always happens on the uh, first Sunday of Lent in parishes, dioceses, archdioceses throughout the world, mm-hmm. and those who are catechumens, candidates for baptism or for uh, the full initiation to the other sacraments as well, come together in the cathedral or some designated church in the diocese, mm-hmm. and the bishop is there to welcome them 
but to accept them for baptism. It's kind of like the last hurdle, mm. the last stage of the process. Right. You know, there's sometimes there's a bit of a misunderstanding about the, what the right of election is. Some people look at it, it's their the public declaration of the catechumen that he or she wants to join the church, and that's not what the right of election is. Mm-hmm. You've already done that. You've already made the choice. The right of election is the bishop choosing or accepting or electing mm. the catechumen for reception of baptism at the uh, next uh, mm. celebration of Easter. Mm-hmm. And so we did that again, a massive crowd yeah. at the Co-Cathedral, beautiful afternoon, chilly, a little chilly, but a bright, sunny day, and many of the families of the catechumen, certainly their their sponsors or godparents were there. Mm-hmm. And it was a service, it wasn't a mass, because technically the catechumen is supposed to leave uh, the celebration of mass after the homily, mm-hmm. because they're not in full communion, they right. can't participate right. in, in the Eucharist fully until they're baptized and uh, have the opportunity to receive confirmation in the Eucharist at the Easter Vigil. So it was great, great opportunity. I, I love it every year. I yeah. love to do that. You know, to me, it's a great sign of hope Yes, to see the number. We had about 166 catechumens wow. this year, so it was it was uh, just for a the diocese-wide? Yeah, diocese-wide, from all over the diocese. Mm-hmm. And most of the parishes will uh, send uh, someone mm-hmm. Uh, or who is preparing for a reception. Not every parish has catechumens. Not every parish has people joining right. the church, but most of them do, at yeah. least one, mm-hmm. some more than that. Mm-hmm. If there was any question that the diocese has, is strongly Hispanic, come to the right of election, mm-hmm. and you see the name, you hear the names, and you see the faces, mm-hmm. and the uh, the Hispanic community is certainly... Uh, a vibrant part of our Catholic diocese, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's very beautiful and encouraging to see. Uh, the big news, of course, these days, Jim, is what coronavirus. Yeah, that is amazing to me. The uh, <laughs> the way that that. What do you think of it? Do you, I, I I I you know I everything I read, it's almost as if, and I've read a, n- a number of articles that the media really has overblown it a bit. Do you think? I think so. I think that it's all over the world. Yeah, but not not a lot. There's more flu than than over the than oh, well, that's true. This, that's you know, true. so it's like and, in, and deaths from flu and deaths from flu no and the deaths in this, as I see, as I've read, the deaths from this are those who are most vulnerable, elderly. You know, the, the six deaths in Washington State were all nursing homes. Yeah. So, you know, it's a little bit a little bit skewed only because I think the media really has made a big issue of it. But I know it's it. You know, it, it's on every news, mm-hmm. every news item, or if you go online. So look, check out right. the news or newspapers. First item, second item, right. third item. Yeah. Of course, the stock market has been reacting to right. this. It's going crazy. The food stores are, are out of out of uh, food, and, and people are panicking. You, you know, know, I was at Walmart the other day. Wednesday usually is my day off, and mm-hmm. so that's my day to get some things done around the house, and right. repairs, or do my laundry and other things. So I, I took a little trip over to Walmart, mm-hmm. and at Walmart, no hand sanitizer. Right. That's the shelf <laughs> was empty. <laughs> right. right. You know, I, I heard on the news, too, this is interesting, that some stores, more independent rather than retail, are selling hand sanitizer for $47, $48. The <laughs> container of hand sanitizer. I'm oh, wow. taking advantage yeah. of of this. But I, I must tell you, I, I, I think maybe a little bit 
much is made of this. But, of course, you don't want to be in the position of not paying attention to it and then it right. becoming That's right. a big problem. That's right. You know, here in the Diocese of Trenton, uh, I issued a, maybe you would call it an advisory mm-hmm. initially, and the calls that came into the chancery, unbelievable, about aren't you going to do more? Aren't you going to put prohibitions in? Aren't you going to do this? I mean, it was like all day mm-hmm. long mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. And so after consulting with some other uh, of the Jer- New Jersey bishops that mm-hmm. couldn't because we like to do things as as one right. conference, the New Jersey right. conference. Uh, I issued instructions for uh, liturgical services. Jim, do you mind if I just share them? Just no, I wish you would. I I, I did I did share because I got a press release in the diocese, and I did share it with my listeners earlier this week. But yes, share it again. Well, the people f- know what's first going and on. first and foremost, with this sickness mm-hmm. or any sickness, you know, people who have flu-like symptoms who are not feeling well, who are feeling sick should not go to Mass. Right. There's no penalty for that okay. when you're sick. You know, I hear that even sometimes in confession. People will confess, oh, I miss Mass because I was sick. Right. Well, if you're sick, that in itself is always an excusing sure. factor. People are dispensed. Sure. And, you know, and, and another thing, and I, I mentioned this in my initial advisory, and then I noticed some other diocese picked it up as well because uh, I shared the advisory with others, um, there's, there are several uh, broadcasts of mass, Sunday Mass. Right, right. Three or four mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings sure. and even some in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So the, you have the opportunity to to hear the readings, to sure. hear a homily, to join in the celebration, to pray, and to make a spiritual communion since you obviously sure. can't make a, uh, a communion through, the, right. through that situation. But that's one thing. I want to emphasize, if you're not feeling well, if you're Any feeling, time of the year. <laughs> don't go to right. places where there's gathering, but certainly right. to church or right. to uh, church gatherings. Right. Another thing I mentioned that to the priests and to the deacons and to the extraordinary ministers, to, to practice good hygiene, to mm-hmm. wash your hands with soap and water. And this is what they're saying on all the broadcasts right. for everybody, really. But to wash your hands with soap or water or with an antibacterial, alcohol-based mm-hmm. hand sanitizer. And we, I ask that they, they do that before they give out communion and after they give mm-hmm. out communion, just as a protective measure. Sure. Um, you know, in my advisory, I encourage people to receive communion in the hand rather than on the tongue. I didn't require that. Right. And I didn't say you can't receive it on the tongue. Some dioceses have said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really didn't think that was something you could say because those who, for example, who attend the traditional Latin Mass— mm-hmm. Receiving communion in the hand is not an option for right, them. Right, right, right. So you, I don't want to deprive them of, mm-hmm. of the Eucharist by any means. But uh, to consider a worthy, re- reverent reception by hand is preferable, mm-hmm. according to all the reports and that I've been getting. But again, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that you can't receive right. on the tongue. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that it's preferred at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the practice that is fairly wide in parishes of distributing the precious blood mm-hmm. by having people receive from the same chalice. I'm mm-hmm. suspending that practice mm-hmm. uh, for now. And also asking people to avoid any physical contact. Mm-hmm. So the sign of peace, really, uh, the handshake of peace is suspended. Now, some parishes may have a, uh, may instruct their parishioners to give the sign of peace some other way, bowing or mm-hmm. nodding or 
<laughs> giving the peace well, sign. Well, as I understand it, a handshake is not required anytime. I mean, I, it it's never, a sign of peace. Well, neither is receiving from the chalice. Right. When you receive the the sacred body of Christ the mm-hmm. ho- in the host, mm-hmm. you're receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. Right. Uh, the the uh, the giving of the chalice was just to to further the. Uh, right. You're not uh, receiving part of Jesus. You're not you're receiving. receiving well, I'm receiving the blood, but I'm not receiving the body. Right. In, in either species, the right. precious blood or mm-hmm. the sacred host, the body of Christ, you're receiving the body, mm-hmm. blood, and soul and divinity of Christ. Not a symbol. You know, you read that in some of the reports, right. you know, they refer to it as a symbol. It's not a symbol. It is. This is my body. Right. And this is what bothered me, as I think I said here on our broadcast in the summertime. You know, 69% of the faithful who don't really get it, right. they don't see that, they mm-hmm. don't understand that. And that's right. what we've always teached. It's not something new. Right. In the body and blood of Christ in reception. Right. And, and But it's not required to receive from right. the chalice. Right. You know, it's it's not something I'm a big fan of anyway, distributing mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the chalice and Sundays. But I'm not a big fan of when people come at you with the handshake. I never do. I just always give them a sign of peace. I'm very aware of it. I, if I if I get a cold, lose my voice. This? Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I I get some I get some looks, but oh yeah, I'm sure you do. You know, but I I look them right in the eye and hold my hand up and wish them peace. But that's you know, that's all I'm required to do. You know, at mass today, at a, I had a mass today, and I. Just went immediately at peace of the Lord be with you always, Lamb of God. You take away like the old man, like we <laughs> right, used to do, right? You know? And yeah. uh, there were a couple of heads that turned, but right. uh, they might not have heard my instruction. But anyway, we're, we're suspending sure. the practice mm-hmm. of any physical mm-hmm. contact, a shine of peace, you know, the handshake, right. some embrace, right. Right. sometimes kiss. That we, we're not doing that. And, right. uh, um, and I'm encouraging the priests to be careful as they stand at the entrances or exits to church, you know. Uh, and maybe it's better to avoid that at this time. Again, mm-hmm. we don't know. Right. We're getting all these panicked statements and this and Just that. They're learning. I mean, every day they learn something new about the virus. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, so. And, and uh, I, I think we just have to, the faithful, all of us have to stay informed. You can uh, keep up to date on the Diocesan website, org slash coronavirus. Or you can just go directly to the CDC, the government website, cdc.gov slash COVID-19, and you'll get the latest up. But I don't think you have to go far and turn on no, the television. No, it's, no. It's a, it's Top a news item. story every night and every yeah, day. Yeah. So, yeah. But those are the instructions that I've given. And again, with the hope of uh, that this doesn't go too much further. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will make, uh, make changes in those instructions as the time comes. Um, I don't know whether you've seen, or some, I'm sure some of uh, some of our listeners have seen the new monitor format. Yes, the monthly magazine. Beautiful. We've gone in that uh, direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, the monitor really is a great tradition here in the diocese, and I think it is a great source, of, like the radio program here, like the source of evangelization. That's the way I look at it, mm-hmm. anyway. Right. Uh, our faithful are given information, or should I say misinformation, by a lot of secular media outlets, mm-hmm. and unfortunately by some Catholic media outlets yeah, as well. That's right. So we try to provide in the mon- monitor the, the best information, international, national, and regional, local, diocesan information, parish information mm-hmm. for the Catholics in the diocese. We just did a, a workup and found that currently our parishes are averaging a distribution level of 2.4%. Mm. 
That's not good. Mm-mm. That's not good. There are 12 parishes in the diocese. We have 100 now, 12 parishes that don't offer the monitor at all. Really? Yeah, wow. and I just don't understand it. The monitor is a national award-winning publication, but it's invaluable. Right. It's a quick source yeah. for information, right. and it's very topical. Things that are important right mm-hmm. now, what we hear about right now, very important. One of the good things you see by looking at the website, the Monitor website, uh, we keep track of all the local sport events mm-hmm. for the youngsters in our schools, the CYO part tournaments that are uh, on and about, you know, Trenton Catholic Academy, uh, the varsity and the JV boys, the mm-hmm. girls have had a successful great year, St. John Vianney. Right. Up in the Homedale area, mm-hmm. the girls there have done well. The boys at St. Leo mm-hmm. Parish and Lincroft, St. Rayfield over in Hamilton, and uh, the girls at St. Gregory and St. James down in Redback. This has been a great season for all of them, so I congratulate mm-hmm. all, all the teams in our Catholic schools. I'm about to uh, resume my confirmation schedule ah. <laughs> uh, with the Vickers. I myself have about... Uh, 25 confirmations wow. on my schedule for mm-hmm. the next. You know, you wonder what, I, what does the bishop <laughs> do all day? He travels to give confirmation. So I have about 25 confirmation wow. sites that mm-hmm. I'll be visiting in the next two months. Also, the season of Lent, we are continuing the tradition that we started a couple of years ago, three years ago, I think, of of having 24 hours for the Lord. Yeah, that we need to promote that then. It is get important. that word out. Absolutely. And what it is, is it's a, it's a kind of an around-the-clock opportunity for mm-hmm. people to get to confession. And I will tell you, Jim, and, and to the listeners there, that, uh, you know, I'd circulate around the parishes that offer this, mm-hmm. and actually slip into the confessional myself for a couple mm-hmm. uh, confessions and to assist a priest. And it's really gotten a good response. Yeah. This year we have... Oh, I think five parishes throughout the diocese are doing it, most in Monmouth County, uh, St. Michael Parish in West End, mm-hmm. and St. Mary in Middletown. Good old Father Kegley, he's always... I saw his big banner when I was... He is great. <laughs> he does a great job there. Nativity in Fairhaven. Mm-hmm. And St. Michael's, of course, Father John Butler and mm-hmm. as pastor there, Father Jeff Kegley in Middletown, uh, Father Jim Grogan yep. at Nativity in Fairhaven, a wonderful... Guy, Father Michael Manning down at Holy Cross and mm-hmm. Rumson, uh, all Monmouth County, and here closer closer to us here in Bordentown, Mary Mother of the Church, mm. Father Martin O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. So other parishes I've I asked to consider this, uh, and some of the parishes and pastors had written back said, well we we won't do the twenty four hours we've done it and it really didn't get a whole lot of reception in our parish. But what we'll do is extend the hours of confession. Mm. So during that weekend, that Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, March, uh, tw- I think tw- I think it's the 20th. What is it? Yeah, 20th or 24th. 21st. Mm-hmm. I got to pull up the calendar. Yeah, here. me too. Yeah. It's March. 21, tw- 22. 20, right, that, it's Friday the 20th, 20th and the, the 21st, 21st right, Saturday. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, check your parish bulletins. Mm-hmm. And if the opportunity is there for... For you to get to confession, that the, the hours are extended, please take advantage. And also, of it. Eucharistic adoration is uh, available as more, well. Isn't more it? and more, and the, a number of our parishes have Eucharistic adoration chapels, mm-hmm. 
which are accessible, some of them 24 hours a day. Yeah, some of them have yeah. passed Like St. Mary's. <laughs> yeah, like St. Mary's and some others. So this was something I remember Holy Father Pope Francis initiated a few years ago. This is a universal uh, request from the Holy Father And to I must do tell this. you, it's very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is an example of one of those things that people in parishes have asked for. And I believe it's a it's great grace comes to mm. the church, to the diocese, into people's into parishes, into yeah. people's lives through yeah. adoration of the Absolutely. blessed sacrament. Our, our blessed Lord in the Eucharist is is there waiting for us, mm-hmm. waiting for us just to come and burden ourselves, to rest with Him, right. and to pray. So the combination is a great one: yeah. relieving yourself of your sins through the sacrament of penance mm-hmm. and spending some time before the Lord in the blessed sacrament. And even if you don't have an adoration uh, chapel in your parish, you do have your church. Mm-hmm. The church is open right. to go in and spend a few moments. Do you know, I, of course, many times you and I, Jim, of course, we're in the same uh, same age mm-hmm. and same experience in life. Yeah, you know? right. Same generation. Yeah, same generation. And when we were younger, how we were taught to make a visit. That right. was the expression, to make a visit, make a visit yeah. to the Blessed Sacrament. And that's something that's still very important to me, and I frequently do it yeah. uh, because of being raised that way. That right. Our Lord present, the Blessed Sacrament, and passed by a church yeah. to stop in right. and to make a visit. That's right. Even if it's a quick that's prayer right. or just a, uh, an you know, acknowledgement of the presence of God. That's a good custom to have. I was sorry to see that custom. To be aware of our Lord's presence in every Catholic church. Absolutely. I remember I share this often because, it, and I was very little, but I always remember my, my father always wore a hat. And if he was driving, we were driving, and he passed. We were p- driving past the church. He would always tip his hat. Do you want to say it a was funny a thing? Yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah, I still do that. You know, and, and my it, father did it. And yeah, it was just the custom, you know, to tip your hat before uh, when you pass the church. Yeah. You know, because I because rem- aware of the presence of our Lord in that. Absolutely, uh, the the, the uh, you know, and it, it saddens me sometimes because you'll visit in a parish, and I remember a few years ago. Do you know the custom? I'm sure many of your uh, of our listeners here on Holy Thursday, after the Holy Thursday, the Mass, the Lord's Supper, mm. and the Blessed Sacrament is reposed in a right. place other than the ordinary tabernacle that is used. Right. And throughout the night, people visit, or to a certain hour before the church mm-hmm. is closed. And so we have the custom of visiting a number of churches right. after that uh, period of time. Mm-hmm. I think it was seven. I'm trying to think of what how many. I heard, well, I always thought three, but then someone had told me they did seven. So seven. I, it depends on. Uh, you know, it's like the seven stational right. churches in Rome, right, I guess. Right. I, I guess there's a, some reasoning behind it. But mm-hmm. So I would get my mom and we would get in the car. Mm-hmm. Sometimes my brother would come mm-hmm. and we would go visit the local parishes. Right. And, you know, there was always a beautiful repository of the right. Blessed Sacrament right. with the lilies and the flowers. Yep. In my home parish, the pastor always had these beautiful red roses. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the repository where the Blessed Sacrament was stored. And we would go and pray in these different different churches mm-hmm. and visit. And uh, it, was all, it was just a nice nice custom. I've done it here. I've kept that tradition here in, in the diocese since mm-hmm. I've been bishop. Uh, I remember going to one parish and 
The door was locked. I couldn't get in. It was about 7.30. <laughs> so I, I could see the pastor's light was on yeah. in the rectory, so yeah. I had my cell phone. So I called him. I said, What's good? where's the church? <laughs> the church is locked. I'm standing outside. <laughs> but uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful custom to observe. Again, our Lord is present there. Right. And I remember, Bishop, when you first came to the diocese, that one of the first things you did was put the tabernacle at the cathedral here in Trenton back where it in the center. belongs. <laughs> and, you know, I mean— People will argue about that, and mm -hmm. liturgists mm -hmm. and others have their own opinions on where the Blessed Sacrament belongs. You know, after the reforms of the Council, you know, the Blessed Sacrament was always supposed to be in a prominent place. Right. Uh, and it makes sense that it would be in the center because that's where your view the cross is there, the altar is right. there. Uh, but some had the custom of moving it into a separate chapel mm -hmm. or to a side altar so that it have its own. A particular space and importance. You know, I always liked the Blessed Sacrament in the center. And mm -hmm. I encouraged pastors when I came here. I didn't order it. I mm -hmm. didn't mandate it. Right. But I encouraged them to consider. And many of the parishes have moved uh, the tabernacle back into the center, mm -hmm. much to the happiness of people. I hear, yeah. I hear people make making very, very positive comments. So this is not a criticism of those parishes <laughs> where the tabernacle is not in the center. Let me be clear. I'm just saying it was an encouragement that I had to make sure that the central focus when you come into the church was the Eucharist, mm -hmm. our Lord Blessed Sacrament. Mm -hmm. You know, you always have to be careful when you oh, say that. Oh, I know. Well, you know, I, but I tell you, I was, at, I was at a parish, not in this diocese, a neighboring diocese a couple Sundays ago, and for the life of me, and I went to Mass Sunday Mass, I could not find that tabernacle. Sometimes that happened. I had no idea where I it know. was. I had the same experience sometimes, and you— you're visiting in a parish other than your home, or, right? And you say, "Where, where is our Lord? Where's the Blessed Sacrament?" I'm looking around. I, and the mass was over. I still couldn't find it. I know where it yeah, was. Yeah, I know. I know. Anyway, it's, but that's uh, that's that's that that custom of visiting the Blessed Sacrament is mm -hmm. uh, is the Eucharist is so it's the center of our life, yeah. Yeah. you know. And we've really got to we've lost that yeah, uh, in many ways. Unfortunately, yep. I, mm -hmm. you, you see that. In churches, and now this I will say something that I think people should, uh, should, uh, you're not in, you're not in a grocery store. Mm. You're not in the mall, you know, and some parishes you'll go into, like if I'm going for confirmation oh. and the volume <laughs> of the chatter yeah, and right. the talking is unbelievable. Yeah. How anybody can pray in that circumstances. When you go to church, it's a sacred place. Quiet down. Mm. If you don't need the quiet Maybe the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you does. Mm -hmm. It's not the time to catch up on the latest news. Do that after mass in the mm -hmm. parking lot or the vestibule. Right. When you're in the church, it's a time to be quiet, to pray. That's what it's for, that right. church. That's why you have a church. Yeah. That's why you reserve the Blessed Sacrament, so that you have time to quiet down, push the things out of your mind that right. occupy you, that distract you, that frustrate you, mm -hmm. that upset you, and place yourself there in the presence of Christ yeah. and offer your heart and your prayer. I remember the late Cardinal of Aqua about 25 years ago. He used to put out this monthly newsletter, and one of the points he made was exactly that, that there should be quiet, but he said, you know, the person in the pew next to you or in the church, that may be the only time throughout their entire week it's when true. they have quiet time with the Lord, and you're disturbing that. Yeah, you, 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 you really, you really, sh folks, you really should think about that. Mm. Not a time before to chitter, and after chitter chatter. Yeah. 
it's a time to pray. Yeah. And, you know, it happens, like you say, after Mass, too. Sometimes Mass is in to go in peace, and, you know, it's it's like people have never seen one another before. <laughs> they don't have the, blah, 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 blah. Shut up. And there's places for that outside the Absolutely. church Absolutely. You know, don't don't rush to get your car out of the parking lot then. <laughs> Stand there and talk a bit to your friends. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what it's for. But... Yeah. Uh, Quiet down in church, folks. I agree. I it's agree. something that bothers me in this diocese, yeah. traveling around. And not and just limited to this diocese. I see it in a lot yeah. of churches when I go right. to visit. Right. And I, I've said something at times to the parish, and I've said something at times to the uh, to the congregation. Mm-hmm. And uh, the looks you get from yeah, people. Yeah, I know. You know it's, but I tell you, I, I, and it's not limited to this diocese. It's no, all it over isn't. the place. Yeah. You get a lot of looks for a lot of things, yeah. I yeah. think so. Anyway. So March 12th, I will be gathering all the priests of the diocese. Uh, for their uh, Lenten Spirituality Day, mm-hmm. uh, both in Lent and in Advent, I bring the priests together, and we have a speaker, and an opportunity for a lunch, and then I bring in some priests to uh, hear confessions for the mm-hmm. priests, because priests have to go to confession too. We all have mm-hmm. to go to confession mm-hmm. too. So I bring in some confessors. Uh, of course, a lot of times, you know, the priest is the priest is the one hearing confessions. He's in a one-man parish. Right. Okay, so it's it's a little bit harder for him. It's a little bit more challenging for him, especially with his schedule during the week. So this is an opportunity to offer the convenience of confessors who come and will be available to hear the priest's confessions. And it's it's always a good day. It's an opportunity to be together. You know, we as priests, uh, we're brothers to one another, and it's important to establish and to encourage fraternity among the priests. Really, as Pope John Paul II said, it's part of the sacrament, Mm. the fraternity of the priesthood. Yeah. To give them opportunity not to be the speaker, but to listen. Right. You know, we're always preaching. To have an opportunity to sit back and to listen to someone else, mm-hmm. share some thoughts on a spiritual topic is a beautiful thing. And then to gather for lunch, have a nice, yeah. simple lunch together. And it's it's always a good day. This year we're going to be down in uh, Christ the King Parish in Long Branch. Mm-hmm. Father Javier Diaz is hosting us. And the speaker, speaker is, ta-da, me. Ah, <laughs> this year I asked... Uh, uh, I talked to the vicar Monsignor and I said, why don't I give this spirituality uh-huh. talk this year? Because yeah. I, I don't have a whole lot of opportunities to right. address the priests together. I do in the September at the convocation mm-hmm. that we have, and that's uh, two and a half, three days mm-hmm. of time together. I have the time at the Chrism Mass. Mm-hmm. But it's not just the priests there. It's, of course, the faithful who are joined. But this is a time when it's just the priests together, and so it's a good opportunity. I look forward to mm-hmm. it. The end of the month, March 29th, over at uh, St. Anthony's Parish on Olden Avenue here, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Mount Carmel Guild. Oh, okay. I don't know if folks know what the Mount Carmel Guild is here in Trenton in the Mercer County area. It's a, it's a, a great organization that serves the needs of the poor and the elderly by providing them emergency insist- assistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, food, and also there's a nursing program for the elderly, the poor and the elderly. Uh, the nurses go out into the homes, mm-hmm. there's a couple, just a couple nurses, we, I'm sure we could use more, mm-hmm. uh, and go out and, uh, you know, make sure people are taking their meds, check up their blood pressure, and right. look in on people from the health point of view, especially some of the elderly who live by themselves. But this organization for 100 years has mm-hmm. been doing a great job. I, it, honestly, it's it's really... I would have to say one of my favorite charities mm-hmm. in the Diocese of Trenton. Charities, by that I mean 
giving money to and, mm-hmm. and supporting mm-hmm. as best I can. I mm-hmm. encourage our faithful uh, to uh, to think about the Mont Carmel Guild because mm-hmm. they certainly could use your assistance as we serve the mm-hmm. poor. But happy anniversary to them, 100, 100 years. is a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful opportunity. There's something I want to mention. It's not something I like to talk about, but it's something that I feel I have to talk about. On March 16th, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops will be opening its National Abuse Hotline. Mm-hmm. You know, we have one in the diocese, an abuse hotline. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the state has one. The mm-hmm. attorney general has one for the state. Uh, but the, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops is opening this national abuse hotline for reporting the sexual abuse of minors and vulnerable do- adults by bishops mm. or by religious superiors. Mm. Now, why that? Why is that? I mean, people could certainly call their diocesan hotlines right. and uh, make their reports if there's, God forbid, if they encounter this kind of abuse by, by a bishop or religious. But it, it's it's comes from the the situation with the former Cardinal McCarrick. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that Cardinal McCarrick rose through the ranks yeah. and people are saying, you know, if he, if he was guilty of this kind of abuse, how, how could that be? Right. And so this is an attempt by the Conference of Catholic Bishops of the U.S. to at least provide people with a forum that that doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. That if there's something that's not quite right, and this is for sexual abuse. This is not mm-hmm. for, I don't like the sermons right. the bishop gave, or <laughs> right. the bishop's asking for money right. again. Right. You know, right. This is not what that hotline is for. Right. It's for sexual abuse of minors and vulnerable populations. And it's extended to third parties. It's not just people who have been abused themselves, mm-hmm. but people who are aware of abuse that hasn't been reported mm. to share. Now, there's a danger here with this. Right. There's a danger of... of false uh, reporting Mm-mm. and sure. retaliation and retribution and all of that. Uh, but the, the safeguards have been put in place so that uh, any reports are checked and verified and mm-hmm. checked again yeah. uh, so that we don't make allegations that are not true mm-hmm. and punish people unfairly. Right. This does exactly. happen. Yeah. People are not aware of that, but it does happen it does. Mm-hmm. enough. Now, that that abuse hotline will post the number on our diocesan website mm-hmm. and on our monitor website uh, so that people can be aware of it under the section that deals with the sexual abuse crisis. And mm-hmm. so you have that opportunity if uh, if for some reason there is a, ever a question of abuse by a, a bishop or by a religious superior, it'll be there. You know, this, this is, uh, it's a situation in our church that continues to fester. Yeah. Uh, some of our faithful are aware and our clergy are aware. Our Holy Father Pope Francis promised a report about the situation involving Cardinal McCarrick. And uh, I must tell you, it, when we were in Rome for the Ad Limina visit at Thanksgiving time, mm-hmm. it came up in just about every department of the Vatican in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form. Right. The Holy Father promised to do a very, very thorough, comprehensive uh, study of how this happened, mm-hmm. what happened with Cardinal McCarrick, and how how, how this c- could possibly have happened, mm-hmm. and did anyone know about it? Did anyone just look the other way? And so that that report is scheduled to come out. We're not sure when it will. It's over a year now where this mm-hmm. that this has been an ongoing study, but uh, 
some folks are saying that it may, maybe will come up before the end of Lent. Mm-hmm. So who knows? You know, the, uh, I'm dreading it in a way yeah. because it'll rip open the scab again and uh, and the uh, secular media and some of the Catholic media will have a field day keeping this alive, you right. know, and right. Cardinal McCarrick, as you know, was defrocked. Mm-hmm. And he he's a very elderly man. He's a little frail at this time in his mm-hmm. life, I'm sure. Uh, but it'll... It'll uh, bring this to light again, and so it'll have its impact. I'm sure it'll be the cause of conversations and mm-hmm. negativity toward the church, even though his situation has passed and has been addressed, and he's been punished. Right. For priests to be defrocked, yeah, exactly. I can't think of anything more <laughs> more substantial punishment for the guy. Yeah. Um, but that report is coming out. You know, I still hear... Uh, things about that, you know, we we've launched our annual appeal for the diocese, and I still hear I'm not giving one red cent, you know, we're not giving any money to the bishop, mm. as if that money is going to me. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's why I changed the name of it from bishop's <laughs> appeal to annual Catholic appeal, yeah. so that it was clear that this this appeal is for the church. But mm-hmm. I'll I'll get letters. I have a couple letters this week about the abuse and. Uh, it's so affected people that they said, oh, I'm not going to give. Mm. You know, the fact of the matter is, historically, um, that's a situation, it's a sad, dark, ugly chapter in the history of the church. Yeah. It happened. Right. And it happened a lot longer than 10, 20, 30, 50 years. I mean, we're getting cases from 50 years ago. Right, right. Uh, it's happened throughout the history of the church, but finally uh, we become aware of it. We've taken the steps necessary to address it, to try to prevent it from happening as best we can. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear in a lot of uh, a lot of uh, the circles that talk about this, or uh, you know, it's a it's a result of clericalism, mm-hmm. the attitude on a part of some clergy mm-hmm. uh, that they're entitled and that uh, why did they do it? Because they could. You know, I think that's an awful easy thing to say. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe clericalism is, however that's defined, and is defined different ways by different people. Uh, I think we're talking about sin here. Mm-hmm. We're talking about evil. Yeah. We're talking about lust mm-hmm. and uh, giving in to the baser instincts. Uh, right. And that's, that's what we're talking about here. Don't paint it in fancy words or fancy ways. It's wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. It's sin. Yeah. And and uh, and it's taking advantage of the innocent in in the worst possible way. Mm-hmm. And people who are guilty of it have to be punished. Right. Uh, my experience here in the diocese, you know, most of the offenders who've been reported are dead. You know, it's a, and in my tenure, in the last ten years, uh, some very few cases have been presented that are of recent vintage. They're usually older, but whether they're old or new or uh, whatever their whatever their circumstances, we certainly encourage people to uh, to report it uh, and to 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 uh, share with us their pain, mm. in hopes that we can at least uh, do something to to be of assistance mm-hmm. to them, either through counseling or through other means that we have at our disposal. But uh, this all seemed to just come to a head again when the revelations uh, came forth about Cardinal. Right. Former Cardinal McCarrick. Yeah. You know, the, there's. Uh, have you heard about this Supreme Court case in Louisiana? Yes. Yeah. The um, 
the Supreme Court is considering another abortion-related case, and it's, you know, all of these court cases, they have different nuances mm -hmm. to them. They're all not, you know, a head-on attack on Roe v. Wade, mm -hmm. but they're, they're little by little chipping away, chipping mm -hmm. away at this, uh, this horrible right. uh, kind of acceptance of abortion in our society. Uh, and uh, I was watching the TV the other day. The, the Supreme Court had oral arguments about this particular case, the June Medical S uh, Services versus Russo. Uh, hopefully the Supreme Court will allow the court uh, to address the wrongs of abortion and the jurisprudence around abortion mm -hmm. over these years. But, you know, I saw a politician get up and he condemned justices of the Supreme Court, really threatened them. Threatened them, yeah. And I thought it was a disgrace. Yeah. Disgrace. And, you know, when I watched it on the news, I saw behind this politician a sign, mm -hmm. and it said, access to abortion is a Catholic value, that oh. sign said. <laughs> and I thought, what a horrible <laughs> untruth right. to try to convince people that there is any Catholic value in yeah. any aspect yeah. of abortion. You know, no matter how you paint it, no matter what you right. what you call it, or under what series of rights you try to present mm -hmm. this, this is this is a, a moral evil in right. every way, shape, or form. And uh, the way that the way that this uh, politician called out these Supreme Court justices, mm. uh, I just thought was a disgrace. Yeah. and it, was, it wasn't. You're right. It was a, it was a threat. It was a threat. I thought so too. I thought it was a threat. And you know, the politician concerned is a big mouth. He's always right. shooting his mouth off about something. <laughs> right. And he's not a Catholic, of right. course, and I'm not criticizing for that. But his position right. is so stridently anti life mm -hmm. and has been for a long, long time, as yeah. many of these politicians are. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just thought it was just... And many of whom who call themselves Catholics as well. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> well, don't we know that? Yeah. Oh, I hear that all the time. Right. You know, and uh, it is uh, it's just a, it's a sad thing. But I saw on a, on a website, a blogger, you know, Bishop silent on this congressman or this mm -hmm. senator or mm -hmm. politician. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, well, what, what did they want? Mm. What are you going to say? What he did was bad. Well, everybody knows it. Everybody sensed it. Even pro-choice people sensed it yeah. when he said that, yeah. that there was something not right in what he said. Right. But certainly, uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's necessary for us to comment on every single thing that happens in the, every moment of every day. And mm -hmm. uh, But here I am, a bishop, commenting on this. <laughs> I'm right. not silent about it. it was for the wrong. record. Yeah. It was a disgrace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be. Yeah. And I, I hope there are consequences for the senator yeah. who's quick to blame everybody else. Right, exactly. Whenever anything. Yeah, or, and, or try to divert what he really meant. Yeah, 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 exactly. Did you hear about this young boy who was uh, proposed for canonization? Mm. Yeah, there was uh, on, uh, on the 21st last month, Pope Francis received Cardinal Becu, you know, who deals with these, the prefect for mm -hmm. the causes of saints congregation in Rome. And he authorized the department to promulgate the decree concerning a uh, miracle that was attributed to a young boy, a venerable servant of God, Carlo Acutis, 15-year-old hmm. boy. Wow. He was a techie. Oh, he, I mean, he's a real child oh, of this. Oh, I think I did hear that. Yeah, I did hear His that. mother I is still living. That. Yep, uh-huh. And, uh, and this boy, but this youngster 
what he was he was creating a database mm-hmm. of Eucharistic miracles. Right. He just had a fascination with yep. the Eucharist. Yeah. Really, the center of his life is yep. the, the center and strengthening of his faith. Mm-hmm. And so he was using his techie, his technology. I do uh, remember reading that to. Uh, to, to draw together people and to connect people mm-hmm. and to let people know uh, about these Eucharistic miracles. Mm-hmm. Beautiful thing. But a boy of great faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his mother gave an interview uh, with him when it was announced that this 15-year-old boy will be... You know, I, earlier in the year, I had that series, Young Saints. Right, exactly. You know, yeah, during yeah, the year yeah, of youth. Yeah. He was 15. Uh, and... Uh, his family said this doesn't come as a surprise to them mm-hmm. that he's always been a was always a very pious. He's he's gone now, of course, but he he lived a life filled with God. With God, mm-hmm. his mother said, mm-hmm. um, and that the Eucharist was so important to him. And so it's really nice to see uh, something like this happen. You know, usually, you know, saints are founders of religious orders, exactly. or yeah. bishops, or popes, or right. uh, heroic. Right. Lay people, but yeah. to see this young child, 15 years yeah. old, yeah, to neat. be uh, proposed for the that's the, great. Honest, the altar is a great and encouraging thing for people. That's great to see. So, what else is new? Anything? Well, else uh, nothing. I know now. Next month we won't be here because we are having our annual radiothon um, the first week Excellent. in April, and the week after that is Good Friday. So, yeah. But I am going to do. Uh, we're going to broadcast live from Father Jim Grogan's uh, parish on Good Friday. Excellent. Where are you on? The vigil. On Holy Thursday, I'm going to be at St. Anthony's in Heightstown. Okay. But I'm not sure Friday yet. I'm talking to a couple mm-hmm. priests about uh, about the possibility of doing their parishes. Mm-hmm. Of course, you only do one service. Right. On both you do days. the vigil? And I do the vigil, of course, always at the uh, cathedral. Down here in Trenton? Or? Yeah. Okay. You know, the, the cathedral is the bishop's church, mm-hmm. and uh, I have catechumens whom mm-hmm. I will bring into the church, baptisms mm-hmm. that I will do there, uh, confirmations, first communions mm-hmm. during the Easter Vigil Mass. Right. And they have uh, the choir and all. It's, right. it's usually a beautiful, very beautiful Mass, the blessing of the fire. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a, just a great, a great opportunity to celebrate as the Bishop of the Diocese yeah. in the Mother Church, the Cathedral yeah. Church. Yeah. But I'm not sure of Good Friday yet. Good Friday's, yeah. I love Good Friday. I love all the Triduum. Sure, the Triduum was beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Of course, earlier in the week, I'll have the Chrism Mass. No, that's. In which the priests will that's gather. That's at the Co Cathedral, though, right? That's at the Co Cathedral. Uh-huh. You know, it's at the Co Cathedral for a number of reasons. Of course, it's in the evening. It's an opportunity for the priests to have a dinner together during the busyness of Holy Week. Mm-hmm. And Holy Week is a very busy, sure. uh, busy time. Uh, I'll be doing Palm Sunday at St. Mary in Coltsneck. Okay. Uh, I think it's a new mass there, mm-hmm. Father Jeff Lee's parish there. And I always enjoy that opportunity. It's always a beautiful mass. Monday we'll be at the Coke Cathedral at 7, mm-hmm. I think 7 o'clock. Uh, 7 or 7.30, mm-hmm. I forget. You can check the monitor for the schedule. And that'll be the Chrism Mass. And the faithful are welcome at that. <clears throat> the priests will renew their priestly commitments at that okay. mass. I'll consecrate the sacred chrism and the holy oils that are used throughout the year. Right. Uh, and I'll distribute those to the parishes. And it's a great occasion, beautiful. Then the Holy Week continues. I will say Mass on Tuesday and Wednesday in a parish mm-hmm. uh, without much fanfare, just quietly celebrate. Holy Thursday is always a big celebration. Mm-hmm. Father Oscar Samanga, the parish pastor over at St. Anthony's in Heightstown, has invited me to come and celebrate, mm-hmm. so I'll do that. Good Friday's up in the air yet, where that will be. Uh, 
Uh, we'll post it in the monitor my schedule. Holy Saturday at the cathedral. Uh, I think uh, that mass is at 7:30, and then Easter Sunday, of course, I'll be at the prison with mm-hmm. with my boys, <laughs> okay. with my guys over at the prison for Easter Sunday morning mm-hmm. mass. So that'll be a great. Great opportunity. Well, wonderful, Bishop. We appreciate all you do in coming here. So we'll see you then in May. Can't believe it's not that far away. <laughs> Is the program over? It's over. Oh my goodness, yeah, we're done. You know where I was Time earlier flies. today? Let where? me put out a, a, a shout out to the, to my folks, the kids at Our Lady of Sorrow School, or in Hamilton, Monsignor Tom Gervasio's parish, and Mrs. Tui, the principal there. I was over there. Had a delightful mass with the kids this morning, and then. Uh, uh, as usual, I was my disruptive force going through the school, going into the classrooms, getting the kids all worked up, but had a, had a great visit with the kids. You know, Catholic schools are the best. Love them. Love them. Yeah. Okay, Bishop. Well, thank you so much. Uh, God bless you. Happy Easter. A little early, but yeah. uh, we can say that. And friends, uh, tune in again in May for the uh, Shepherd's Voice. We'll I'll be, be back. Okay. God bless you. God bless you.